Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos, and welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And this idea of spiritual spring cleaning, spring cleaning for the soul, has been helpful for me. I'm enjoying this. The last two episodes, I think, have been kind of personal because I'm generally an, an impatient person. And I also recently lost my temper, which I highlighted in that episode. So I'm hoping these are helpful for you as well. What I'm going to tackle today is actually, I mean, I, I suffer from this too, but it's something that I was speaking to a friend of mine recently about. So this is a little bit less about me today. And I'm diving into a couple of books here just because we were talking about this idea of being a perfectionist. And I have some great resources on that because it's a topic I've discussed with students in the past. And it's actually a topic that really came up nicely in my work to become certified as a philosophical consultant. So that's the first book I want to reference today because let's define this idea of being a perfectionist, right? So the book is called The New Rational Therapy. It's by Dr. Elliot Cohen. It's a great read. And he defines 11 cardinal fallacies. These are the things he sees most commonly occurring with his, I would say, I guess his students, but also likely his clients, right? And I think these are great fallacies. So this is one of the fallacies, and it's called demanding perfection, right? Let me read this to you. This is a great definition. Basically, for Cohen, and he uses the if-then kind of logic way of thinking and and writing here, which I think is helpful. So demanding perfection can be formulated as follows. If the world fails to conform to some state of ideality, perfection, or near perfection, then the world is not the way it absolutely unconditionally must be. And you cannot and must not have it any other way. And I think we could also replace the world, of course, right, with ourselves. So we could say, if I fail to conform to some state of ideality, perfection, or near perfection, then I must be that way. And I cannot be any other way. So the idea for him here, I think this is great, is this idea of the must. It's not a wish. Right? It's a must. It's an absolute. He refers to them as demandingness tremens. Right? It's the painful emotional and behavioral withdrawals of demanding what you cannot rationally require in an imperfect universe, which of course would be perfection. Okay, so he says, he goes on to describe this, I think, really nicely. Some common forms of this fallacy occur when you demand that such things as these must never happen. Someone doesn't approve of you, or someone special doesn't approve of you. You made a mistake or failed to perform perfectly. Things don't go your way or exactly the way you want them to go. You are not treated fairly. Something bad happens to you or to a significant other. You can't control everything or something important to you. You can't get what you want. You do not succeed at something or you are less successful than you want to be. You lose something of substantial value to you, right? All these are great examples of something that would trigger the perfectionist into a negative state of thinking, feeling, and acting. And he provides the following refutation to this way of thinking, right? The assumption that ideality, perfection, or even near perfection is humanly possible in this earthly universe is false to fact. Then he goes on to provide a lot of great anecdotes 
and I will get into his antidotes, I think, in other episodes for spring cleaning because perfectionism is something, again, I think it's super popular. But I immediately, when I was thinking about this, and even when I was talking to my friend about it, thought about Pema Chodron. She's a Zen Buddhist. I love her work. And one of my favorite books, really, this might even be in my top 10 books of all time, is The Pocket Pema Chodron. I have excerpts of this in the book I use with students. And I think she handles a lot of really great philosophical pathologies or spiritual ailments in this book. So I do recommend it. And let me read quickly from this book, and then I'll do a little elaboration myself as I'm reading, of course. This is from The Pocket Pema Chodron, and I love this title. It's incredible. This is number 68. This book is very similar to the Thich Nhat Hanh books and also very similar to a lot of the work we've done on Stoicism in that you open up to any page, you can get something that can alter your life. One sentence of this is just incredible. So here we go. Perfection is like death is the title. We think that if we just meditated enough or jogged or ate perfect food, everything would be perfect. But from the point of view of someone who is awake, that's death. Seeking security or perfection, rejoicing and feeling confirmed and whole, self-contained and comfortable is some kind of death. It doesn't have any fresh air. There's no room for something to come in and interrupt all that. We are killing the moment by controlling our experience. Doing this is setting ourselves up for failure because sooner or later we're going to have an experience we can't control. Our house is going to burn down, someone we love is going to die, we're going to find out we have cancer, or somebody is going to spill tomato juice all over our white suit. The essence of life is that it's challenging. Sometimes it's sweet and sometimes it's bitter. Let me pause on that really quick. So it's a great phrase, kind of an Italian mantra, right? A mantra that pertains to this idea, right? It's dolce e amaro, which means sweet and bitter. So what I think she's trying to convey here, and there's a lot of powerful ideas here. I can't even unpack all of this in the short, and you know, in the short time we try to, I try to offer these to everybody, but the idea that you seek perfection, we can change that, right? We can change that by, as we have, you know, we've said many times, asking new questions, being aware of one, that we do this. We have a tendency to do this. Maybe getting aware of when and how and why we do it. That self-knowledge element is really important. That conception of meditation as dialogue with ourselves will help us see when we're demanding, right? And I think if we start mixing Cohen with Pema Chodron, there's almost a type of flexibility. I, I even want to use the word softness here or suppleness. I think it's a better way of putting it with ourselves and with life that can be really useful. Right. And by that, I mean, a part of what Cohen raises is this idea that you don't just want it, you demand it. Right. And I, I think for me with Pema as well, right, you're setting yourself up for failure when you're being extra, like vehemently aggressive with this idea of pursuing perfection. All of this comes from my idea or the idea or my interpretation, let's say, of her idea that we seek security. Well, one, let's, there's levels to that, right? If you're seeking it and you're doing what Cohen's saying, which is you're intensely demanding an absolute, okay, we can work to soften that. And then we can maybe after that even work to change the aim. Because what Pema's raising here too, I think really nicely is that perfection isn't like a good thing. Not only are you setting yourself up for failure because as Cohen said, it just doesn't exist. There are other things there. You're removing the ability to welcome a freshness into life. 
And I think a part of that freshness is the idea that when you are seeking perfection or when you even think you have it, you're, you're not learning anymore. Oh, I'm done. I'm good here. Well, that's not a healthy mentality. The real, I think, eudaimonia in life comes from growth, not from perfection, not from being done with things. This sort of makes me think of Socrates too, right? All I know is I know nothing. There's a sense there that, you know, all I know is that I know nothing absolutely. I know nothing perfectly. I keep going. And in that going, that's where life gets meaningful. That's where that freshness comes in. Right? And I love the idea too, the essence of life is that it's challenging. Let that be your expectation. Because part of what Cohen raises too is that the, the perfectionist is constantly setting expectations for themselves and for the world that if they are not met, they are very upset. And those expectations as a perfectionist are inherently unrealistic. So you're, you have to expect that you're going to fail. You have to expect that things will go wrong. Marx really is too. When he's saying any progress you make, celebrate it, it's sort of also acknowledging what Pema and uh, Cohen are raising here. So let's keep going for a second. Sometimes your body tenses and sometimes it relaxes or opens. Sometimes you have a headache and sometimes you feel 100% healthy. From an awkward perspective, trying to tie up all the loose ends and finally get it together is death because it involves rejecting a lot of your basic experience. I love this idea from Chodron. This is so powerful to me. Making room for suffering, making room for grief. These are important things we need to do. The only way to acknowledge, I think, from a philosophical or let's even say a psychological perspective that we have trauma, and the only way to deal with that trauma is by creating space to discuss it. The School of Life, Alan Debouton's project, the book Self-Knowledge, right? When he's talking about uh, philosophical meditation, he's really saying to give these anxieties, these stresses, a hearing, listen to them, right? The perfectionist gets mad at themselves for being mad. The perfectionist gets mad at themselves for being upset. The perfectionist gets mad at themselves for failing instead of learning from the failure and calmly acknowledging it. All right? And as, as I'm saying that, Chodron is adding, there is something aggressive about that approach to life, trying to flatten out all the rough spots and imperfections into a nice, smooth ride. To be fully alive, fully human, and completely awake is to be continually thrown out of the nest. To live fully is to be always in no man's land to experience each moment as completely new and fresh. In the words of Aristotle, right, the sun is new each day. We have to acknowledge this newness and this freshness. We have to make less demands on ourselves and less demands on the world if we suffer from perfectionism, as we defined it with Cohen. Right? What if we looked at perfectionism as a kind of death? We make peace with death, but we don't want it. Or we make peace with death as an inevitable fact of life when we practice memento mori. We shouldn't avoid the inevitable truths of life. To do so is almost to like play a game without knowing the rules. So we remind ourselves of that. What if we looked at perfection, again, in this regard, right? Which is to say, failure is a part of life. I'm going to fail. We'll talk a little bit more, of course, about confidence. Because one of, I think, the pathology we'll discuss is a lack of confidence. And in the School of Life's essay on confidence, they talk about a part of being confident is realizing that you're imperfect, realizing that you're going to fail. Because then you get out of your own way, you start trying, and in the trying, you make progress, and that's where confidence lives. So for Pema Chodron, I think situating ourselves in this Chodron mindset 
of perfection is death. I don't need that. I don't want that. I want progress. And we could even make a distinction here between worldly progress that's marked by externals, getting a raise, getting a compliment. Those are okay, but they're not really what we should strive for. They're preferred, right? They're extras, but they're not what we should strive for. We instead should strive for this idea of progress that's more in a stoic sense, I think, around what we can't control, around the spirit, around the soul as the main thing. The soul is first. The soul is the most important. The soul governs the mind and the body. To kind of think for a moment like Socrates. So we create this idea that perfection is not what we should strive for. We should strive for progress. We hopefully situated ourselves with a definition like, am I doing this stuff? And we keep in mind that for Chodron, I really love these ideas, right? You're almost killing something when you're trying to be a perfectionist. You are flawed. I am flawed. We're all flawed. The universe is flawed. There's richness there. There's meaning there. Once again, why I'm pro-eudaimonia and a little bit anti-happiness. If all you want is a happy life, you're going to do what Chodron is saying to not do. You're going to want this perfect, perfectly wrapped up moment of happiness, perfectly wrapped up happy life. That's just not how life is. You're playing life without knowing the rules. And I want to close this on a great quote from my grandfather, my mom's dad, right? Perfect died a long time ago. We have to treat it like it's what it is. It's not possible. Not only that, it's not necessary. We do not have to be perfect to be good. We don't have to be perfect to be just and, and courageous and honest and wise. Those are the things that matter. Perfection leads to paralysis. These things that we should pursue are only affected negatively by our need for everything and everyone, including ourselves, to be perfect. Perfect gets in the way. It stops us from getting started. And Chodron, another great entry from this book, tells us start where you are, no matter where that is, but get started. So hope this is helpful. We defined being a perfectionist, and we maybe had some antidotes from Chodron, some new perspectives we could try to implement and employ. I hope this is helpful. We will definitely have at least one or two other episodes during spring cleaning on being a perfectionist. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.